0: Beautiful! Beautiful!
1: Every color is powerful! Every color is worthy! He tried to
0: bury us! They didn't realize we were seeds!
1: They didn't realize we you we were seeds! We, we open doors so others can walk through them! Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Saliari and this is Solve the Podcast. Welcome to Solve the Podcast. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. My guest today is Jennifer De Concesao. Jennifer is married to Edson and the proud mother of their daughter, Yuna. She works as a midwife with her own practice in South Rotterdam, the Netherlands. In 2020, Jennifer started the YouTube channel Verloss Mother" to offer education, motivation and advocacy for almost moms, parents and birthing people. It is where she has started to share her experience as a mother, but also her experience as a midwife. And she has done this very successfully. Her YouTube channel grew rapidly and has now more than 30,000 subscribers. In April 2021, she launched Verloss Mother" the podcast. But she does not run all this by herself. She emphasizes that behind the scenes she has the support of her husband Edson and the support of her good friend Debbie, who work very hard with her to achieve her mission. Her lost mother wants to motivate, inspire, and give more knowledge about pregnancy and babies. As a midwife who has her own practice, she noticed, That important information that can be extremely helpful before, during, and after childbirth does not reach everyone. It is hard to find, or you have to pay expensive courses for it. Jennifer believes that everyone should have access to this information as it provides many health benefits. And that's why she started PhilosModer and shares her knowledge for free in a way that is easy to understand, fun to watch, and listen to. She also hopes that in this way she can contribute to birthing equity in the Netherlands that requires the government, the health insurance and the healthcare providers to look at the healthcare that they offer in a different way, namely from a perspective of equity that offers health benefits and not from a revenue model. In our conversation, we spoke about compassion and kindness in birth, how important it is to feel listened to when giving birth. How birthing people remember how others treated them and made them feel during birth. How institutional racism in and around birth does exist and how important it is to dismantle it and tackle it. We spoke about the importance of midwives and doulas, the importance of not of of holding the government, the health system responsible when it comes to changing the narrative around birth, when it comes to changing the system, and how important it is not to put all on this on the shoulders of the individual and the birth workers. Jennifer also shared some glimpses of her strong and loving relationship with her husband Edson and why she became a midwife, which is inextric- inextricably linked to her own childhood. I want to thank Jennifer for this wonderful conversation, her spirit, and the very, very important work that she does. Welcome, Jennifer. Welcome to Solve the Podcast. I'm so thank happy you so that much. you are here with us today.
0: I'm very excited to be here. Great. And yes, who are you? Share a little bit uh, about yourself. I'm a woman <laughs> living in, in the Netherlands, Rotterdam, born and raised there. Born into a Cape Verdean family of a mom and a dad and eight other children. Wow, um, yeah, I'm number eight, and I have a little sister, and she's number nine. Um but I wasn't raised by my by my parents. Um, they couldn't handle it, and there was some abuse. So I went into the uh, social system mm. of uh, social care and met a whole lot of people, and I think that formed the person that I am today and um and i was 23 years old when i started the midwifery education um finished in 2015 and then i started working as a midwife and truly found my passion there and a mom of a uh, of one daughter 3 years old right now she's uh, called yuna a oh, beautiful name thank you thank you for
1: sharing already so much about yourself based on what you said i have two questions i was thinking now which one do i ask first Maybe I ask first, <laughs> why did you decide to become a midwife? Yeah, what is the story behind it?
0: It's it's quite a funny story because um, it's not a traditional story. Every time I speak to anybody who's a midwife, they tell me that they had someone close to them give birth. Or uh, as a girl, they always wanted to be that. But I, I don't have that story. I was watching... Uh, Grace Anatomy. Oh, and yes. then there was a spin-off that w- was called Private Practice. And that was the first time that I saw somebody as a role model for taking care of women and mothers. And I was like, I didn't even know that that job existed. So I didn't know what an OBGYN was. I didn't know what a midwife was. And that was my first introduction. And I was like, if this is truly a job in the real world, I want to know more about it because care centered about new life and 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 motherhood that was for me a very beautiful way to work and it felt like a dream so I was obsessed with the Siri private practice and then and then went for research to see how can is midwife really a job in the Netherlands and how can I become a midwife and um, and that's where my journey starts and um, looking back at it why, why did it grab me, uh, grab my attention that much? I think it's because uh, I wasn't raised by my own mother, where I find it very intriguing, um, to help other people become mothers, to see them grow and, and develop a, a connection with their child. So I think that that was the perfect pairing of my, my past with a role model that I saw on TV.
1: This is really beautiful really beautiful and of course we will speak also later how important the moment of giving birth actually is yeah for for um, for people who birth so yeah, yes yeah. yes and you are also a mother and how yeah. did motherhood come to you can you share a little bit with us your journey
0: yeah so um uh, i met my husband when i was 19 so we've been together for a very long time. <laughs> um, and we spoke a lot about uh, getting getting uh, married and having children. And we both always wanted that, but we are very career-driven people. So it was very calculated, when are we going to start having children? And the sense of starting children, we had, uh, we had a good talk and we planned it as in, this is the timing that it's great for both of us. Uh, to start having children so it's i find it very romantic because i had somebody who said yes i'm ready for this let's do this together um, and um, maybe for somebody else it's like oh but where's the spontaneity in in that um, but i had fun <laughs> that period just knowing that somebody wants to have a child with yeah. me and wanting it myself and um, i was quite uh, scared of the motherhood aspect uh, but I wasn't scared to uh, get pregnant or give birth mm. because of my knowledge of, uh, of midwifery. Yes, yes.
1: And then more scared of being a mom because of your own experiences, I guess. Right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Not having that complete role model. Mm. Um, yeah, made me kind of scared. And also thinking, what part is genetics? What part is passed on to me? So what if I uh, don't, because my mother doesn't have a connection with me, what if I don't have a connection with my daughter?
1: Yes, the intergenerational part.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was quite scared of what that impact would be on me as a mother.
1: And how was it when your daughter was born? And I mean, she's three, but how has it been so far?
0: Completely different than everything I expected. Because when the moment she was laid on my chest, I was not feeling the the big poof as you see in the movies of joy and and crying and everything but you build a connection every day every cry every laugh every moment in the life and it makes you just so proud of of every accomplishment how small and tiny they are for somebody else it's it's huge and big for me and I just I can just enjoy her presence even if she's sleeping and I I could never imagine. Feeling something like that for somebody else, I thought the 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 love I had for my husband. I always tell him this is the first love I had because mm. I don't have it for family members like that. So it's the first feeling of love for a person. I'm that I that I was like I don't ever want you out of my life. I always want to have you near. There's a deep, deep connection on a friend level and on 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 a husband level, of course. Um, but with my daughter, it just surpassed that. <laughs> that feeling entirely <laughs> it's a, it's a, almost a physical pain yeah that, that I feel if something happens to her
1: yes yes beautiful beautiful and um I mean my listeners know I um I love birth workers midwives doulas you are so important and of course the reason is also based on my personal experiences And I read a quote um, by Nadine Edwards that reads, When the woman is supported by midwives and others to follow her instincts and respond to her labor and birth as it unfolds, she becomes the focus of attention rather than the focus of being on the clock or on what should be happening or on policies, protocols and guidelines that might interfere with the physiology of normal birth. What do you have to say about this quote, uh, Jennifer?
0: Yeah, it gives me goosebumps because that's exactly what birth should be. It shouldn't be a completely medicated situation because it's, it's origins and starts gives so much peace and also makes the process so much better. Not only for the mother, but also for the baby that we need to give it the time and, and respect and attention that it needs. So. Uh, I, I stand completely by by that by that quote that we don't need to look at the clock, but need to just support the woman in labor in what she needs. And if there's any medical indication that she needs help, or the baby needs help, or the parent-to-be needs help, that we are there to provide the medical assistant when needed, but we shouldn't interfere with the process if everything just runs smoothly
1: yes and of course the reality often is different of course depending also on where you birth and and yeah sometimes also where you have to birth because of maybe medical conditions um do you uh work in all kinds of settings like in the hospital at home
0: yeah um... in the Netherlands it's uh it's a bit different uh, we have divided the care for the pregnancies in low care and high care pregnancies and all low care pregnancies are, um, are guided by a midwife. So um, and the midwife has her own practice and you can have um, a practice with a couple of midwives, or you can have a, a, a caseload practice where you have just one midwife with one uh, pregnancy. Um, but, it, All people of uh, all pregnant people start with the midwife. And if there are any complications within your health before pregnancy or during pregnancy, you get referred to uh, a gynecologist in the hospital. Um, And I, as a midwife, do the pregnancy consults, ultrasounds. I do uh, the placements of IUDs and other hormonal interconception and I uh guide the birth at where the the woman wants to deliver so if she wants to deliver at home i come with all my uh, stuff at her place and if she wants to deliver in a hospital then i rent a room in the hospital and then i deliver the baby there yes
1: and how do you thank you for explaining i think it's very important because obviously not everybody listening is from the netherlands and can in, in each country is different um but i also like Seeing what you publish on your Instagram, what you talk about on your podcast, on your YouTube channel, in your newsletters, you also have a very, I would say, women-centered birthing person approach. And also what you just said, um, yeah, we, we shouldn't just say, okay, now you're here within four hours, you need to birth at eight o'clock, you're out. And if you are not ready, we need to induce you right away. I, yeah. I feel that this is not your approach, but no. sometimes in the hospitals, it is like, yes. Yeah. How do yeah. you navigate in that system because you have you're really passionate about your your work it's like yeah it's it's something really personal also to you you yeah. have a mission how do you yeah. navigate there how do you deal with the doctors who maybe feel like no she has to birth now and that's it
0: yeah i um i think it's my privilege that i uh, enter into the woman's life when they have the first positive pregnancy test so I've been there for nine months Mm -hmm. um, and I guide them through and if they give birth under my guidance there is no doctor involved so if there are no complications they will never see the gynecologist so that's that's a a perfect privilege in my opinion Um, and if there's any if she wants any pain medication or if the the birth is stalling then it's quite hard because the woman has to shift and have to shift the power also to the gynecologist because they are now responsible for the birth and how it goes and um and i don't think there is male intent for from the the birth workers at the hospital but they work on logistics and yeah. i work the other way around because I don't have a time or place to be somewhere yeah. else or anybody else that I have to take care of. I'm just with that person at that moment. And logistically, they uh, would like every birth to be between 8 and uh, and 8 p.m. Um, because then the most people are at work in the hospital. And after 8 p.m., the night shift comes. And that's always less doctors, less nurses, because the hospital is quieter. And that's where the clock comes to play is that they would rather see the process going because of the logistic. And it's Mm. hard as a midwife because sometimes you're in between. So sometimes I have to say, uh, well, she doesn't want an intervention or she doesn't want this, or she wants to wait or she wants to do. And it's always per gynecologist, how much room they give. And sometimes I have Uh, a really nice gynecologist and they say you can do the birth and I'm just here to just monitor the baby so I can do the birth myself Um, but sometimes there's a gynecologist just just pushes through their agenda and there's unfortunately not much at that moment that I can do if you don't have any wishes that you uh, Mm. gave to me so if there's not anything that I can particularly state that you don't want and I'm the vocal person for that I can only guide you in the things that I think that are best at that time but the power shifted so it's it's indeed it's sometimes a struggle and I sometimes get angry at the situation because I uh, don't always feel that some interventions are needed at the time frame or that I feel like we could have waited until we did that intervention
1: Yes. Yes. But as you also said, the moment um, the women meet you, I guess you also have already educated them on some level. So they also know their rights. And yeah,
0: yeah, I try. They don't go
1: into birth without knowing anything, like, or just the basics. That's also important.
0: Yeah. So I feel like um, I don't often get into a place where I'm confronting a doctor, um, but I do feel like I have to vocalize the things. That are wishes from, from the, the pregnant, uh, or the birthing person. So if she's, uh, or he or them say, um, I want, I want to lay on my side or I want to mm. use the birth stool when mm. pushing. And the doctor says, no, we're not going to do. It, and then I can vocalize, yeah. but this is what, they, why can't we do that? This is yeah. what you want. Then yeah. it's, it's quite easy to do that, but it shouldn't be necessary, of course, yeah.
1: because, yeah, yeah, yes. I won't comment for now.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I will. I am. I really love listening to you. So of course I have a lot to add, but I don't want to do it now. Also, as you said, you were not really scared about uh, getting pregnant, giving birth. It was more becoming a mother that uh, kind of yeah gave you some anxiety or worries or insecurities. And there's another quote that I read that says. A typical transition into motherhood has the potential to rattle and rearrange a woman more than anything else she has faced before or will ever face again. And therefore, the way we birth matters. And of course, not only women give birth, you said it also before um, birthing people, let's say. Therefore, the way we birth matters. And, And because of this, I always say doulas and midwives aren't a luxury. They are a necessity what do you have to say on that?
0: I think um, if we take it back to the to the way people feel when they birth is they don't always care about what happened, but they always care about how what happened made them feel yes. or how, yes. how they were treated makes yeah. them feel. Because I've been to births, that I, I call it, they get the full package. So they get the oxytocin and the and the, the the vacuum uh delivery or the forceps and that I feel like, oh man, I wish I you didn't have that happen. But if they have the autonomy and the 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 power themselves, which every step of the intervention that they can do, that they can say themselves. I want this, or I don't want that, or I want to wait for that decision, or I want to wait for that intervention. If you give the power to the birthing person, they completely change the way they look at the birth themselves. And I think if you have a very traumatic birth, um, the moment that that your child is laid on you, that you have to deal with the trauma first before you can love somebody else. And that's with every trauma in life. You have to deal with traumas before you can turn that trauma into love. So I think it's very important that we start looking at how do the birthing people feel and um, try to avoid traumatic experiences. And traumatic experiences is quite likely to happen when people feel like they weren't listened to. People feel like they have lost power or control of their own yeah. body.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this also beautiful quote by Maya Angelou, right? That people um, will never forget how you made them feel. And yeah. um, I absolutely agree with you because, yeah, in birth, sometimes things or many times things don't go the way you imagine them.
0: Yeah. And you but might then, need help. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But then you will remember those people that were next to you in those moments that maybe even were completely different than, than what you imagined. You know, um, like my first son was premature 25 weeks in one day. And I remember how the, the, the gynecologist was so kind with me and and the nurse next to me. And yeah, I, I remember those people, you know, it wasn't what I wanted to happen. Obviously it wasn't something that we expected, but I will never forget um, when my son was in the incubator in the neonatology, the nurses to me, I'm in love. I, I mean, I have so much respect for nurses, you know, because they became my family because of the way they made me feel, you know, yeah. the way they were there for me, despite
0: all the traumatizing
1: things that happened, you know. So absolutely. Yes, yes. Yes.
0: And I think that changes the way how you feel about the first few days after the birth. Yeah. And And trying to build that connection with your baby.
1: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Jennifer, in your work, you also um, work a lot on, on representation. Um, you say representation matters, and yes, it does. And um, you have um, developed the diversity art line. Yes. Can you share with us a little bit more about this?
0: Um, it's, um, it's medical uh, posters, like uh, the autonomy of a pregnant woman, of the pregnant pelvis, um, of a pregnant uh, uterus and um, uh, given form in different ethnicities. But not only ethnicities, also women that wear a hijab. And I wanted, and we're going to develop more posters, but those are the first three that we started. Uh, we started one of uh, of Asian descent, one with a hijab, and uh, uh, the fetal anatomy uh, development of a black baby. Um, and I think it's very important that... To note that the most midwives or doctors or healthcare professionals in the Netherlands are white and all of the posters, uh, on the walls in the practice, uh, in, in the hospital are white of, of, of mostly white women mm. with white babies. And it feels, uh, weird to say that in 2022 because diversity is all around us and i'm also midwife of, of, of a black midwife um, but i never have seen any internship any uh, birth that i delivered in the in hospital a representation of the people that i am but also the people that are that are coming into my practice so i shared with it's called atelier mayura those are uh, the the illustrator's I shared my concerns and then we sat down and I did another uh, uh, autonomy part and also uh, stated what I really would like to see and they draw uh, draw the pictures
1: yes wonderful there was also um <clears throat> I'm sure you know about it um the image of a black fetus that went um, viral on Instagram. Yeah.
0: yeah. And
1: um, yeah, that that spoke actually about this lack of diversity in, I would say, not just in birth, but in medical illustrations in general. And we all know that actually the white man has been also the base for a lot of research that has yeah. happened in, in, in the medical world.
0: Yeah. And it's quite dangerous because yeah. um, it makes not only um, representation matter visually, but it also um, has impact on how we clinically treat our patients or treat pregnant people. Um, And we can see that throughout the whole healthcare system, um, if people are not shown diseases or shown um, uh, symptoms on a black skin or any other type of colored skin, um, it's hard for a health professional to recognize it in real life. But not only that, um, the machines that we use are also um, really researched only on the white male body. Yeah. So it makes it less accurate on black bodies because they use light sensors. And light sensors are different on a black skin than it is on a white skin and different on darker black skin than lighter black skin so it's very important that we that we need representation in the 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 pictures that we use we need representation in the research that we do for when we use the machines in in these settings
1: yes and and probably also in how we treat people right because of course we all carry our trauma but some people might carry different kinds of traumas than, also, than others yeah
0: yeah and there's a lot of bias and it it's institutionalized yeah. so bias that some people don't even know that they have or that they do um that puts on um negative stereotyping on birthing people there was uh, a research done under uh, students from um I don't know how to say it um that are becoming doctors. Oh yeah, residents. They're in yeah. their
1: residency. Yeah, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, like residency. No.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are in school of yes. becoming a doctor, um, <laughs> and they still believe that people with dark skin are uh, less likely to feel pain. Yeah, it's yeah. and you and it uh, and I <laughs> laugh about it because I feel it's very ridiculous. But it's quite horrifying when you see other researches that states that people of black color are less likely to receive adequate painkillers because of this thought. Yeah. So it's really dangerous.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I read also really horrifying articles, especially also in the US, um, black women giving birth. And I don't know now the statistics, but I know that there is a high rate of black women also dying while giving birth. And also this idea of, yeah, the black women, they can take the pain, they're aggressive, they are strong and, and I mean it goes also back if we look in history right how also yeah. during slavery how black women were being treated and it's yeah it's still there yeah yeah
0: and and um and it's still there because of the lack of representation yeah. because there are no black there aren't enough there are but they're coming now forward with hey this is this is not right this isn't this is dangerous we have to change the system but I, with the diversity art line, I heard a lot of midwives say I never even noticed hmm. because I always looked at a picture that looked like me. So I never questioned how somebody who doesn't look like that feels. And if, it's, if the quite obvious, like a picture in a book or a picture in, in a practice doesn't feel obvious, how are they, are, how are they critically going to look at the care that they give? surrounding all of those little effects that can impact health. So we see in the Netherlands also a three times higher percentage of of black women dying in birth or after birth, or uh, a 40% difference between black uh, women um, and white women who have their baby loss during or after pregnancy.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and you said it already. When we speak about racism, people always like to say, yeah, but I'm not a racist. And they always refer to this individual racism, but we obviously speak about systemic racism, institutionalized yeah. racism. Yeah. And racism in birth and around birth exists. And you've already explained a little bit. Could you elaborate a little bit more? And also, yeah, the work that you do, the people you work with.
0: Yeah, I think it's um g- good to um, give an example because then people can really understand what institutionalized racism is. And one of the uh, one of the pain points I'm confronting right now is that when you give birth as a black woman and you have a C-section and you get ready to have a second baby, then we always calculate the chances for you to have a a vaginal birth after, after cesarean, a VBAC birth. We do that through a, a point system, and when you are black, your blackness it degrades your points. So it it doesn't impact the health of your baby or your truly your capacity to give birth, um, but it does impact your future birth uh, birthing experience, but also the future health because you ha- are. With the cesarean, a higher risk for having a uterus tear, for having a lot of blood loss. And those are the main factors that kill kill um, birthing mothers. So that's one of the things that I'm trying to vocalize to say it's very important to make sure that when ethnicity is written down um, in what medical decisions does it factor in because if it makes black people get more cesareans after they had their first cesareans then it makes them more likely to die mm. and more likely to have uh, blood uh, <clears throat> problems um, and if we don't only check the statistics and say yeah but they die more often yeah but why do they die more often we we have to look at the at the problem beforehand because if we are guiding guiding these women to have more cesareans then we will have that problem afterwards. So, so it's really with,
1: about taking an intersectional approach um, yeah. in birth, not just looking. Oh, women. No. Not not <laughs> just look looking at the, color, the race. ethnicity. Yeah. Okay. Also, yeah, we said, um, uh, yeah, the, the trauma, the background, all these things are very important. Yes. Yeah.
0: How? Uh, what, what was? What were the the factors that the first birth was a cesarean? Yeah. Um, and instead of just looking at. Race because race isn't a factor of somebody being able or not able to give birth. Mm. So keep race out of the 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 discussion about about certain things that it doesn't help. So this, we have that that research of uh, or that the the model to calculate the percentage of how how are your chances to give a vaginal birth a cesarean, and we uh only recently had a research done that compared the one that race was included the model and one where the race was excluded and the same results came out only in the first group women were more likely black women were more likely to be guided by their gynecologists to have another cesarean instead of a vaginal birth and those are one of the little examples throughout the whole medical uh, uh or the healthcare system that are integrated in in uh, models into machines into things that stem off slavery because in slavery times they said black women are more likely or less likely to do this feel pain mm-hmm. or uh, give birth or all of those things and they stem off from a time from slavery they were never researched There's just somebody who said, yeah, this is the model, so we're going to do this. And now, decades later, we have to be critical and say, when does it matter and when doesn't it matter? When is race used as a weapon for or against us?
1: Yeah, totally. And you also, I don't know if I should say fight (laughs) another battle, but um, you state that one of your long-term goals with yeah, with, with everything that you do, uh, Mother, which is, of course, your work, your YouTube channel, your newsletter, your podcast, is to contribute to more equal care inst- yeah. instead of equal care in the Netherlands. So can you talk to us a bit about that? Maybe it's a yeah. little bit about equity and equality, I guess. Yeah, when I, it when is. I, when I read it.
0: Yeah, it is. Because I always state that uh, care in the Netherlands is done correctly like the midwife is basic care so you don't pay for the midwife midwifery care and that's for everybody the same so it's equal yeah um but because of the basics being equal but everything on top of that costing money so you have to pay for if you want education about birth if you want education about breastfeeding if you want education about um uh, how to take care of your kid and every, everything, um, uh, going to classes to do breathing or anything surrounding pregnancy and birth just costs money, then you divide the benefits of having a, a good and healthy pregnancy between the people who can afford to have it and people who can't afford to have it. And we see that people living in areas there are more likely to have less uh, less income so a, a lower social status we see that those are the people who need the extra help because they have higher rates of smaller babies higher rates of um preterm delivery of babies they have a higher risk of losing a baby than the the women who have access to everything else because they are financially financially more stable so that's one of the the things that i want to really get into the Dutch system is that you as a midwife are such an important role of giving those information to the people that really need it and we shouldn't divide care basic and care that can improve health for the pregnant person, but pregnant person, but also the baby. We have to provide it for everybody, and not just for the people that are financially able to.
1: And how do you advocate for that? And and how how is it going? Like,
0: yeah, I do it. It's a all, challenge. <laughs> it's it's a quite a challenge because it's a it's a money making business for a yeah. lot of people, and I'm I'm not saying that. People shouldn't make money because I get paid for yeah. what I do. I don't expect anybody else to do that. But there should be uh, an opportunity mm-hmm. for someone who doesn't have the money to gain access to that. And I hope that I inspire other midwives to do what I have done in their own way to provide those cares to the, to the people in their practice. Uh, might it be through extra consults? Might it be through... A course that you give your own clients might be through getting funding from a a company or a a health insurance company to make sure that you can provide it for the people who need it the most I hope that that is a domino effect of getting the knowledge out there so I try to do it with my videos uh, with my podcast to inform people uh, about everything surrounding birth and I hope others uh, do that too. So that the, the, the knowledge is there free and available for everybody.
1: Yeah. I wish I had known you when I was pregnant with my first child, really. I, I I mean, of course, because of my own experiences, but also speaking with other mothers, with other people hearing their stories, we cannot have enough people like you, you know, it is so, so important for so many reasons. And Um, that's why also a big part of my podcast is birth is motherhood is changing the narrative around birth. It's really advocacy around birth, our rights, things that we don't know, because as you say, many things we don't know, we don't know. And just not just in in a negative way, just going onto your YouTube channel, checking your Instagram, reading your newsletters. You speak about so many things from breastfeeding to having GBS to premature babies, to (laughs) some induction, so many topics excuse me oxytocin and so on and so forth and it's just so important but I would what, what I also find important is that you cannot carry all of this you and other midwives and other doulas there has to be also a change on a systemic level and I always feel like in our society nowadays a lot of the things is like whether it's climate change yeah you need to recycle and then everything will change yes uh the midwife has to do the work so no the system has also to contribute in my opinion, and it has to reach a higher level where where, where the, the state, the government, the health insurances. Yeah. They also have look to... at, at your income, let's say, and they, they can see, okay, that because I read also an article the other day that many people in the Netherlands don't go to the dentist because they simply cannot afford it because yeah. they don't know what kind of bill they will receive afterwards, right? And yeah. We are living in a quite wealthy country. Yeah. Um, and I think they have to be, like it cannot all be carried by you and other midwives and other No, duties.
0: and we can't expect that um what I do is a full-time job on its own, just being a midwife yes. and doing the medical care as it is. And um if the governments would really look at giving midwives the position to have more time mm. to spend it truly on the on, on on the people that they want, um and also giving more education around topics because we we just don't have the time to fit it all into the practice that the system has made us do right now um we have to guide uh this amount of people during the pregnancy to have uh, a full time income so if you can't uh give all that information in your practice yeah then you give a full and say go and search and do a course yeah. and and learn online but If the government would really invest into midwives and in, or or not only midwives, but into projects that give those uh, information, then it can be available for everybody. And also, I think that we as a government really have to look at the profits for a country in the economical situation. If we could help promote breastfeeding, promote and help people to give uh, uh, a longer period. Of breastfeeding time then we can have less women or less people with a uterus with uh, cancer we have less breast cancer we have lesser rates of diabetes we have lesser rates of heart uh, of heart problems that that can only be an economical win for the country if we have healthier people so if we just provide a free uh, breast pump to the people who can't afford it. Mm. And they have lesser problems later on in life or their children have lesser pro- because it works both ways. Yes. It works for the person who's breastfeeding in a health way and it works for the baby in a health way. Then we can see the profits tenfold back in 20 or 30 years. So I w- I wished that the government would look at, okay, so a breast pump costs me... About uh, 200 euros per person, but one person with cancer cost me uh, 200,000. What are, I don't understand that we don't put our money before the problem. Yes. Then to be preventive. To be preventive. Yeah. Uh, and look with, at things holistically,
1: solution. right? Look also at things holistically.
0: Yeah. Because yes. there's a reason why breastfeeding helps it's not because oh it's easy and it's the best for the baby yeah okay it's best for the baby but it's also good for your own health it prevents you for a whole lot of diseases it lowers your chances on that so it it's important that we invest not only into what the babies need because formula is good there and it's getting better every every year but it it's not only for the baby it's also for the breastfeeding person, a very important step in their health. Thank you. I'm so
1: happy we're having this conversation. What do you wish somebody would have told you about postpartum?
0: I wish they would say that you have to uh, see your limit and then surpass it and look back and look at it and say, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could push myself this far because I felt... Okay, I had to step multiple lines of comfortness to provide for a baby. So uh, it was—it's qu- hard. It's hard. I find it very hard being being a newborn mom in the postpartum period because I have pain. I'm tired. I'm very hormonal, and I had to put that aside to feed and take care of a baby. And I didn't think that I had the strength to do that because nobody told me that. You need. You can have uh, a a source in you that has the strength to pull from, even when you don't feel like you have anything left. Yes, my husband and always says you. You says you have an extra. Uh, once you become a mother, you uh, or a parent, you have an extra battery in your back because the things you are <laughs> able to do when you have a baby than before. I had a baby. Miles different. Yes, it's <laughs> another world. That's for sure.
1: <laughs> and you already mentioned like now you mentioned your husband is nice uh that we speak also a little bit about him you also mentioned at the beginning that he was the first person that you really loved that you really had this and you still have obviously this very strong yeah. connection He's with. still here. <laughs> yes. And he's not just here he's also very much involved um yeah. in your work he's part of Fer- Ferlos Mudder,
0: um, yeah. your
1: your company so tell us about the strong bond and and how he's part of your work and how you're doing things together because you publish also things together not just pictures yeah. but
0: conversations and yeah he's yeah. fully present he, and it's funny because he's the reason I started for because oh, okay. yeah i was uh, f- f- i was pumping full time because um latching on the breast wasn't just working for me
1: yeah wow. so i was
0: pumping full time and i was i wrote everything down i had everything researched and um and he was uh, looking at our friends and seeing that uh, the knowledge wasn't there so he was like it's so important that you spread the knowledge that you have because you can help people with it. And uh, not only in your practice because yeah, of course I give the knowledge to the people in my practice, but he was like, "No, yeah, you, you you have so much knowledge, you have to do it bigger and do it online and if you want if you want to do that then I will help you." So he started with me filming every video for the first year together. So I talked to him in the camera and explain everything and if he if he understood it he said okay so now we now if I can understand it everybody can understand it (laughs) so he's helping me with that uh, along the way and um, pushing me forward with every step and also making sure that uh, every side is, is spoken about and also uh, tries to break taboos with me so talks about sex talks about being a parent talks about being a dad and um uh, during this whole process
1: yeah we need more of this so it's incredible what he's doing and also what you're doing together also for your for your relationship for your child for everything that Many times we feel we're fighting certain battles by ourselves or we are because we didn't speak so much about community, how important also community is in the whole yeah, in the whole birthing and motherhood and parenthood experience.
0: Yeah, and it's so important. And uh, I'm luckily I'm lucky and privileged that I have him in my corner. Yeah. Um, but I can see it uh with other friends and family, and I'm I'm part of other people's villages as well. Yeah. So it's so important to have just open discussions about all of the topics surrounding birth surrounding yes. sex surrounding yes. menstrual cycle yes. Because you can learn from each other
1: absolutely
0: and you like if you speak up you give permission to the other one also to speak up
1: right if you exactly. say you know what last night i was crying i feel like i'm a horrible mom then maybe the other person will say you know what i did the same yeah. i feel the same yeah oh i'm oh, not
0: going crazy yeah. i had the same yeah. thoughts i had exactly. the same weird dreams or same yeah. weird
1: feelings Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jennifer, who has been your soul,
0: who has played a huge role in your life? Uh, Yeah, I do have to give it back to my husband because he's, yeah, (laughs) it's, and I always said, we, we have been together now for, we're going on to our 15th year together and five years of marriage, but he, he's my, he's my soulmate, my best friend and my business partner. And I always say, um, we we support each other because he's he's a, a director and he makes movies and mm. um, and does his uh, his views on showing uh, equality, showing diversity in films because that's the media is also something yes, uh, we have totally. to change in and the stories we tell about black people. Yes. Um, so I support him through that, but um, I I think we we are more than just. Um, more than just husband and wife. We are truly each other's friends.
1: Beautiful. And do you have to say something? I always say to whom do you want to pass the salt? Do you have to say something to somebody or do you want to encourage someone or yeah?
0: Yeah. I want to encourage I think uh young black people to get into the healthcare system because you mm. can change you can change so much and see it directly impact a whole new generation. So I hope that people are inspired to see what kind of jobs are there, because I found my job through a television series. Just look at look at TV, look at internet to see what are job possibilities beyond what is in your circle. So what your parents are doing, what your friends are doing, because there might be a job just perfect for you waiting around the corner.
1: Thank you. And what is your question for me? What would you like to ask me?
0: I would like to ask you about your own birth experience because you had a preterm labor, you said. How was it for you the next pregnancy? Because it gives quite some trauma into maybe a next pregnancy and a lot of insecurity. Do you have any tips for new parents how to cope with that?
1: Yes, educate, educate, advocate. Like These two things for me are very, very important, but... Um, I there were so many things I didn't know. And um there was also certain trauma that I was carrying with me and certain knowledge that I didn't have, also related to my own body, which sometimes I feel like, how come I didn't know all these things? I know why I didn't know them, but yeah, I didn't know them. So sometimes we might think women know certain things because they look confident or they look whatever, but we cannot assume it because many times we don't know because we have maybe not properly been sexually educated or don't know our body that well or don't even really know what is happening in our body. So yeah, my first birth. Yeah, something happened that I never expected. And then my second birth. Um, so when my first son was six months, I was pregnant again, um, with my second son. Of course, the people in the hospital thought I was crazy. Then I received like what you mentioned earlier, the, the high treatment. I was treated like, yeah, in a five star hotel. I got anything that I needed. Um, still the birth was also not um i don't want to speak bad about i always feel like i was, by saying this i speak bad about him but it wasn't a it good does. birth
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then with my daughter the third birth i said i'm going to do everything different i had changed as a person um and i decided to have a doula i decided to do hypnobirthing um and that's where i really um yeah it, it was it was um healing for me um It's a healing of
0: the trauma and it gives you a whole new meaning of confidence in your your own body, probably. Yes.
1: Yes. And I went different into the birth um, with an attitude. I didn't allow them to overrule me, like the things you explained earlier, which I felt in my second birth. Yeah. And I went there with an attitude and I advocated for myself without losing it, without allowing the disruptions that were happening to destroy this moment. And the hypnobirthing helped me a lot. And uh, having the doula and my partner, I mean, he was with me in all three births. He was incredible in all the three births, Um, having him next to me. And also then in the third birth, working with the doula. And she just gave me so much knowledge, so many things that I had no idea about. I didn't know that um, vaginal examinations are optional, that if I don't want it, I can refuse it. I didn't know that if I don't want to know how many centimeters I'm dilating, I, they don't have to tell me because maybe that, you know, you have maybe incredible pain and then suddenly you hear, oh, you're just three centimeters and you feel mm-hmm. like three centimeters <gasps> and that stresses you and it doesn't help you in any way, you know? So, um, yeah. And uh, I didn't even push out my daughter. I breathed her out of my body and just at the end, I pushed two times very beautifully and there she was. So, yeah, it was it was different. It was uh, healing for me and um, not just for me, also Because some doctors are very skeptical towards hypnobirthing, towards doulas. I saw how they treated her. They didn't treat her very nicely. Also rude. They were rude towards her. And I also see by them seeing that other things are possible, maybe they will also believe more in those things. And I understand the logistic part and the system. And of course, they're also trapped somehow in the system. But there is a different way of of doing things. There is a different way. And
0: And this, yeah you make that possible by advocating for your story and, f- and making this podcast available is that you teach not only expecting parents, but there are a lot of expecting parents who are birth workers as as well. So I, I learned a lot from podcasts along the way. I, I'm not the same midwife that I was uh, six, seven years ago.
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: It's a lifelong process, you know, and
1: by sharing our stories, by also going a bit against this narrative that is presented in the media, right? The, you your waters break and it's like a whole waterfall there or get scream edible. at your husband yeah. that you want to kill him. And like, it's, everything is, of course it might happen, but it's, like totally true and, and but there is a lot of birth yeah, nuts, yeah, exactly. And also that birth can be beautiful. It doesn't mean it won't hurt, or it doesn't mean that things that you didn't expect won't happen. But at the end, also, my my son, that he was premature, I mean, the birth was very traumatizing, and there were many things that were not nice. But there was also a lot of beauty in that because of the way, my partner and I, the nurses and the doctor, we worked together, you know. And yeah. at the end, the, the 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 high gynecologist who also came, she was crying. She was crying when he was born. And we didn't know what, what will come after because afterwards came even the, the the big mountain that we had to climb, you know, or he yeah. had to climb or we had to climb together. But it's like what you said, how people make you feel, this community, the solidarity, that you don't yeah. feel I'm doing this by myself yeah. And also how we speak about birth. How do we speak about birth to our daughters? Do we just tell them, it's going to hurt. You're going to suffer. What yeah. are you helping me with? Not yeah. with
0: nothing, you right. know?
1: So yeah, the language that we choose. So these are some of the things uh, from my side. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's. I think that's a very important message to give. Yes. 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 So we
1: are at the end of our conversation and I always honor Someone, somebody, usually a woman, at the end um, of the podcast. So today, I have it. I've done it before, but I have to do it again. I want to honor all the midwives, lactation consultants, nurses, childbirth educators, doulas, doctors who support respectful maternal and birthing care, who stand up against obstetric violence, who make a change around the narrative of birth as you do, and how we birth those who don't perceive women and birthing people as being superhuman machines that push out babies with no rights. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really advocating for, yeah, giving back the power to birthing people so they can use the birthing instincts, you know, because we have instincts that we can feel safe, that we can feel heard, that we can feel respected and that together we can change um, the narrative around birth by, of course, building a future in which we get the medical help that we absolutely need. We're not saying this is not needed, but also at the same time, giving back the power, the respect, and um, yeah, the the autonomy we, we deserve because the way we birth really matters. It matters to us. It matters to our children, to our relationships, to future generations that will birth because of the way we will speak about birth. So, and I want to thank you so much, Jennifer. I've enjoyed this conversation very much. And uh, Me too. I have so much respect for what you do. And I want to thank you
0: as well as I have for you. Thank okay. you so much for sharing your platform and um, and advocating for parents' rights. Thank you so much. Something that is loved is never lost.
1: I'm Stella Salliari and this is Salt the Podcast.